Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Coached by Dan podcast. I hope we're all keeping very, very well. Uh, today I am chatting with Kevin Farrell. Kevin's an online coach and owner of Complex Fitness, and we are talking about nutritional and training considerations for athletes with the main goal of improving their performance on the pitch. Um, really solid episode today. It took us two days to record, purely because day one we had some technical issues with the Wi-Fi, but we got here, round two, all good to go. So guys, I won't hold you any longer. Enjoy this episode of the podcast. And as always, any coaching inquiries, head over to www.coachbadan.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram at coachbadan or email me danreespersonaltraining at gmail.com. Enjoy. Round fucking two. So for everyone who listens to this right now, um, myself and Kev recorded half his podcast yesterday and uh, halfway through, internet just was like, nah, fuck you guys. We're going to just give in. So... We've got like half a podcast worth of audio with a lot of pauses. So we're like, you know what? Fuck, we're going to do it again. Um, so half of this conversation is going to be regurgitating what we only spoke about yesterday. But sure, look, it'll, it is what it is. Uh, before we go into the podcast, again, Kevin, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, for everyone listening, Kev, do you want to give everyone the really nice long intro to yourself you gave yesterday once again <laughs> i suppose i will um first of all it was more than likely there was scam and wi-fi so i'm gonna put my hand up and take blame for that um because i know you guys have wi-fi up in dublin it's only just come down here so there's that um okay i get cracking straight away my name is kevin farrell i run an online coaching business called complex fitness and that's where you can find me on instagram I am a manager in a semi-private gym, a training facility in Roscommon Town as well. Although for the majority of the last year, it has been online with all the gym closures and that. Now, in saying that, we still have clients from the gym in online group training and stuff. So there's still a little bit going on there. Um, most of you, so I was explaining this to you yesterday as well. And you were saying you were surprised about like most of my clients aren't actually footballers or GA specific, but a, a lot of them are performance based in the sense that I don't get that many people who would come to me with just aesthetic goals. I like, obviously everyone has aesthetic goals, but I don't get people coming trying to get to a certain body fat percentage or a certain weight or anything really specific like that. More so it's people coming who want to be able to hike who, without losing a lung or who want to be able to run a 5k without caving in or who want to be able to do push up chin up kind of perform it's very performance based and i suppose that's probably as a result of my page and how it's kind of performance driven a lot of the time um i would have been very at the start i would have been into the more aesthetics a little bit more but as time went on and as i i suppose gained more knowledge on performance from my own mistakes i realized that i needed to change things up for myself and i suppose because of that i've been attracting a lot of people who are interested in the same thing um so to go back to yesterday's one the performance definitely came from my uh, childhood when I was in primary school we were an extremely active family the, all of us it, like education was important but it wasn't the main thing it was always kind of you do the minimum and get by like in primary school me and my brother and even my sister at times would be the ones who'd be called out to go move cattle in the middle of, in the middle of the day we would be up at 3am during lambing season to check um, on the lambs, see if there's any lambing going on, feed the lambs, make sure everything's clean, back to bed, up to school, or else an hour before school, you'd be up the back fields, making sure there's nothing in the ditch. So this was, I suppose, bled into the lifestyle now of being active. And uh, I have to thank my mother massively because she... Uh, she definitely didn't push me because she has absolutely no interest in any sport. So I'd say it was just, I was very energetic and so are my siblings that she threw us into everything. Gaelic football, hurling, soccer, rugby, horse riding, karate, boxing, swimming, athletics, cross country, like you name it, we did it. If it was in the area, we did it. Um, gave my hand to everything. And then I suppose I was the, what suited me the best was the individual sports, which obviously I don't do any of now. But um, I seem to excel at cross-country, athletics, long jump, things like that. And then as the years went on, I just slowly dropped off every single sport except GA. It was the only one I kept on. Um, I was brought on to the development panel, and that's when I got really into it. When I was, I think, 14, you were brought on to the under-14 county team. 
And uh, even at that stage, I started dropping off every other kind of sport. And by the time I was 16, it was the only sport I was playing, even though I played quite a lot of soccer and enjoyed it at the time. It was just getting in the way of my football. Then, so there was two big pivotal moments um, that probably changed the way I trained and gave me a bit more perspective. And the first one was getting dropped off the minor team on the last cut. So they kind of brought a big panel in. There could have been 50, 60 people brought in in November. 10 get cut in November, 10 in December, a few more in January. And then the league was to start in March. And I think I got dropped in February or something. Um, so even though at the time, I didn't let anyone see that I cared. I cared quite a lot. and <laughs> It probably killed me a little. Ah, oh, no, the fucking connection. It went a little bit, not a huge amount. <laughs> okay, I think we're, we're, still we're, still going. Still going. we're still going. We're still going. <laughs> Just do this if it goes. Um, so then, yeah, we were, <laughs> I was dropped off that. And luckily at the time, our senior club had a great manager who came in and kind of, I suppose him and the older lads at the club took me under the wing and kind of invested a lot of time and effort into me. And then I started to, prosper a lot more and then luckily I made the under 21 county team which wouldn't be as common if you don't make minor it's kind of very hard to make the team the next year because what happens is they literally bring the minor team into next year's team and that's their under 21 team so I got onto that luckily enough because the club was so successful we got to a county final but in my first year of under 21 the second pivotal moment was I I didn't make the panel, but we were playing Tyrone in the semi-All-Ireland. And uh, the next day I togged out and played a game for my club because I was dying to play a game and didn't missed a few club games because of it. And my own teammate kind of fell back on my knee, ruptured my MCL, and I did some knee structural damage to my knee, which was a real pain in the arse. Um, so fast forward a few years, and I suppose that's kind of what really kickstarted me to look after my fitness a little bit more. And I suppose look after my health. Then there was a bit of a career change in the middle of that. I went on a J1, came back early to play football against my girlfriend's wishes. And uh, then when I was in Dublin as a fund accountant, I ended up hating life in the office, absolutely despising it. Uh, happiest time of my week was traveling two and a half to three hours to come home and play football. So fast forward, I quit work, handed in my notice, went and did a small PT cert I'm pretty sure you did the same one as me in elite yeah, elite, yeah. yeah. so I went did the same one and then since then I suppose I've been building the brand of complex fitness and working in the industry sick man unreal and like we were saying yesterday as well kind of like in terms of kind of like kind of the big pivotal moments that got you doing what you do now it's kind of like you had that injury kind of doing that to you and I think my end was the kind of my back thing kind of like up, up, up until like 2017 early 2017 I was dirty powerlifting from when I started training to then just thought it was fucking cool lifting heavy shit like any any young lad would who was kind of like I can lift heavy weights this would be really fucking cool did my back in L4 and L5 bulging it was kind of like it had me kind of take a step back and like right damn stop training like a dickhead and fucking take care of yourself and like it, it's kind of like obviously going back there it's kind of like I wish it didn't fucking happen because it just sucked and I got really fucking fat from just eating food and just not doing anything I saw the photos uh, like man I remember, whenever I post those photos up I always get like some comments being like, sure, that's Photoshop. Like, nah, man, I was a big boy. <laughs> Lukaku, fucking hell. Uh, what's it called? Um, but um, yeah, no, but like, it's, it's, it's kind of nice because you can kind of see, like, it's directly reflected in my own training. So, like, right now, like, I'm the strongest, leanest, whatever I've been in a long, long time. And I suppose it kind of reflects on my coaching as well. So, like, it's kind of like, obviously, what would stick if it didn't happen, but kind of like, you know, pulling the positives, it did have a massive impact, like, on my own coaching. I'm sure it did for yourself as well. Um, yeah, I was saying yesterday you had to ask for help as well. I'm sure, like yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's kind of like it's yeah. like yeah, like it's it's kind of like you know, as coaches, we're here kind of help everyone because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's kind of like when that happened to us, it's kind of like you know, it wasn't just a case of oh my back is really sore. I've just got two bulging discs. I will just carry on on my own. It's kind of like no, I have to ask for help. I have to help like get help from physios, trainers, that kind of way to like know what I'm doing. And from mm -hmm. doing that, it just kind of molded me as a coach now and gave me just much like much better perspective and kind of you know i massively relate kind of any coaching success to kind of how i kind of you know fucked myself up and then unfucked it i suppose and kind of it's almost like kind of taking clients along that kind of journey before they kind of have to have that kind of oh fuck moment i suppose yeah yeah because everyone has that moment i know for myself like i had to go like i had to ask people for help i was saying to you yesterday how i skipped so much and i'm sure you did too 
like you go in and you bench three days a week you don't kind of perform or move correctly in the gym you just skip over that part but when it, when it comes to an injury you got to mm. start from scratch so you have no choice but to build the fundamentals which yeah. was a savior to me in the end yeah man it was it took me so long to get the back actually like probably diagnosed i uh so what happened was i, I did it was one day i went for a 240 deadlift got my knees back twinged up that for two weeks came back like three weeks two three weeks later some light rattles somewhere in my back lying on the floor for like 20 minutes i was like i can't fucking move waddled down to the car chill out that day a little easy the next morning so i got to check my physio um i was told you know the standard physio thing you know oh you're i just stretched my ql that was one of them um i had never lift again never lift again it was the weak core is another one the glutes oh, yeah. the glutes is there somewhere and i was like the glutes i could kind of tell myself yeah i was kind of i was like this isn't like muscular like i can pinpoint exactly where it is and it's not on the muscle like yeah and it's only about it's about four months later when i was a big boy that my my, my physio was like yeah man get an mri and i was like oh yeah those discs shouldn't be there <laughs> i was like oh <laughs> enough fucking stretching to pop them back in but uh it was gas like the physio i went to i shouldn't have gone to um he's up in glass 11 he's really hard to get into my friend who was doing a phd at the time told him that i was powerlifting for ireland and because i was like so elite when i just wasn't i got into him like he he like he physio was like like proper like athletes that kind of way so like me getting in normally some like random little 19 year old being all like hey, he's a sore back and you get him I was like no powerlifting for ireland though oh yeah go on bring him in yeah yeah <laughs> like Fucking, if it wasn't for that, like, I'd still be fucking stretching up my QL wonder if my back still fucking broken. Um, but yeah, no, like, it's, it's, it's sick to see you kind of that similarity. I think one thing I was mentioning yesterday is, like, even, like, it, it's so sick having you on finally just because, like, I said to you yesterday, like, back when I started coaching, kind of, it was about a year after that all happened. It was, like, two coaches I was chatting to a lot. It was yourself and a lot called Matt Cooney, who I had on the podcast about a month and a half ago, two months ago. And uh, you were back in Thailand at the time, I think, when, when this all kicked off. Yeah, or Vietnam even, sorry. So, uh, yeah, man, it's, kind of, it's sick to find, like, what, fucking two years later, about fucking time we get you on. <laughs> so, listen, obviously with Kev's Instagram being very much kind of like pushing towards kind of performance and all that fun stuff, I thought, who better to have on to talk about this? Because it's a topic I haven't really talked about before on my own page or on the podcast. And like the podcast is great for just kind of touching on everything. And that is kind of training and nutritional kind of considerations for, you know, for, for like training for performance on the pitch for, for kind of athletes and that kind of nature. And kind of just picking your brains on kind of the differences between like your standard day-to-day training. Like it, it kind of picking apart kind of like what I do from what you would do. You know, I kind of like how I would train for how you would coach. So the first thing first, as a very general overview, like how would training for like performance, training for kind of sports specificity kind of vary from someone like myself whose goal is very much like, I want to get bigger, I want to get stronger. Like what would be like the key kind of differences there? Yeah, so obviously the you have to be fit for purpose when it comes to performance. So it really depends what you're trying to perform for. So let's say in terms of GAA, number one, at the base of that pyramid is skills. Number two, I would say then is your mobility and aerobics. When I say mobility, I'm not on about stretching or anything. I'm on about your ability to move throughout the pitch through different paces, through different ranges, turning, cutting, accelerating, deaccelerating. And then the last thing would be kind of your, which is important and does come into the aerobic part as well, is your resistance to injury or your resilience. And the gym is there to complement your work but that's it it shouldn't be the be all and end all um a lot of people go down the rabbit hole and i have too of in the off season that's kind of when you put in a lot of the gym work because you're going to take some time off running you're going to give the body a break from the hard running you have been doing and you kind of all of a sudden because you're giving so much time to the gym you're getting these great lifts and it's hard to know when to stop. People always carry that way too far into the season. They're afraid to let their strength go down a little bit. And that's just part of the process. You got to be willing to just say like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're going to lose some strength. You're possibly going to lose some muscle mass. It's just what happens when you're doing such an endurance sport like GAA. So when it comes to training for performance, like the number one training principle is specificity. So, your goal dictates how you're going to train. So for, let's say, someone like you who's training someone to become more aesthetically pleasing to themselves or whatever, 
they're going to be working a lot on mechanical tension, time under tension. They're going to be making sure they're hitting body parts certain times a week, however many times a week you prescribe. Whereas mine would be, how's your pitch performance? Um, how's your 100 meter? How's your one kilometer time? How's your 100 meter in relation to your one kilometer time? Do you know, is one way off the, from the other. Um, so with performance, it really is dictated by how you get on on the pitch so when I'm prescribing stuff to do in the gym I kind of I don't like to go down the rabbit hole of being extremely specific like I don't think people should be going for a high ball in the middle of a gym with a slam ball which I have seen I've seen lads for some reason boxing dumbbells like 10 kgs just trying to get ultra specific Um, I think when you're talking about specificity you look at what the body demands and what's demanded of the body so your ability to repeat power, your ability to reproduce power, your rate of force development, your ability to take impact on your hamstring. So a big thing I'm seeing amongst GA players is, and it's just a, a lack of knowledge, I suppose, is they totally skip the eccentric work of the lift. Like a Romanian deadlift is a drop and then a pull-up. They, they're not focusing on the really slow drop, getting the tension on the hamstrings, into that lengthened position, holding, holding that tension and then coming up. So we really work on specific things like that. Now, if someone comes to me who's had hamstring trouble or someone comes to me who's had quad trouble, there's obviously going to be little changes in the program. But specifically, you want to become as resilient to injury as possible. And that should be kind of alongside becoming powerful and the obvious gaining strength and stuff. That for me is number one protocol in the gym is becoming resilient. So hamstrings, knees, you need to look at the demands of everything. Changes need to be made for most people. So it's not ideal to be playing a match on a Sunday and doing heavy box, heavy back squatting on a Monday, which is what most people do, or even heavy trap bar deadlifts at that, which is what most people do. They either go one or the other and they do their heavy session on Monday. So it's kind of about finding the balance, building a base in the off season, the preseason, and making sure you maintain that through the season. Again, another thing that's really lost is that maintenance phase. So people, when they hear, how do I maintain my strength? They think they need to maintain the numbers they've hit in the preseason. But you're just trying to maintain the adaptations you've made. You're not trying to maintain the actual number. You're trying to just maintain the benefits of all the training you've done. So a lot of the training, to be fair, is done between 60 and 80% of one rep max or RPE of six to eight, quite a lot. It's A lot of it is for quality. And a lot of the time we're staying away from any sort of fatigue in the gym. Yeah, sweet. I get you. It makes sense. And like, from that point of view, it's, it's very much like, it's like, like any training, it's, it's about kind of like, what's the goal, right? That determines what you're doing. Like, I suppose from, from my point of view, it very much seems like it's a case of like, you know, when a case of like someone wants to, you know, change for aesthetic purposes or like build a bit of muscle, you know, there's not going to be a huge degree of, of change. It's, it's similar enough, like in terms of kind of like, right. You know, we want to drop a bit of body fat, you know, obviously kind of having high, high activity level, kind of obviously looking into kind of nutritional, you know, factors. It, it's all, it's not the, obviously very personal person, but the general base is going to be quite similar. Whereas like, it seems from a performance point of view, there's so many things to take into consideration. Like obviously, you know, your time in the pitch, you know, what, what, like potential injuries in the past, things of nature. There's a lot kind of going on there. I suppose mm. like, that's where I suppose like, you know, the specificity comes in like remember like we were saying yesterday like back when i was coaching hockey you know like a big thing is kind of like the fitness side of things i remember like when i was playing hockey we're doing like 400s of like your pair up you run up down up down the pitch when you rest the next person's going you ain't get stick and ball and you're fucked and it's kind of like i don't like i feel tired now but again on the pitch kind of like i can run faster don't be wrong but like put a stick and ball in my hand i can't run that fast because i don't know how to do both at the same time so i remember when yeah. i was coaching it was very much a case of you know okay Fitness work, we do with a ball and stick because it's kind of like, you know, you can be as fast as you want. You can do X, Y, Z, but if you can't do it with a stick and a ball in your hand, it's kind of like, it's not going to be as useful. And it's kind of mm. like, like you're there about the fucking, you know, th- like catching the med ball of ho- in your jump. It's kind of like, you know, you're never going to have to encounter like fucking like a five kilo fucking ball, are you? So like, what's the point in like throwing man up yourself yeah. in the gym? It's shit like that. And the people kind of, and like, even like boxes, like you mentioned there, like someone's, you know, boxing with two kilo dumbbells. Like, Gloves aren't that heavy. Do you know what kind of way? You're going to get onto the fucking lighter gloves and be like, oh shit, this feels fucking weird. Do you know, it's like, it's like anyone. Like, if someone's, I have a client who's currently training for an Ironman, and like, from a weight point of view, you're like, right, we just want to maintain weight. Like, because if we go like five kilos heavier, 
six kilos lighter it's case like that's going to affect your performance because you're not used you know like you are not going to be used to kind of yourself that, that kind of way like we put on five kilos in the next like two weeks from, from a food point of view like like good luck. it's just gonna, it's it's not a huge way you may not notice it yourself but like when you go through your swims your cycles your runs you'll notice it you know yeah back yeah. my powerlifting days i remember i dropped fuck what was that i think i dropped like four kilos like two weeks leading up to it and i remember going to my lifts and i was like holy shit this is like <laughs> it's a completely different ballgame like fuck this like it was like yeah. it's, it's so nuts and people kind of think like oh like if you're lighter you're heavier you do this you do that you train something heavier train something lighter it'll be like it'll be beneficial it's kind of like no yeah. like what are you training for like train for that you know yeah and in in ga and in a field sport like that it's so important to ad- adapt yourself to that max effort sprint so most injuries are happening in the last quarter of a GA match. Most ha- and most of those injuries are hamstring injuries. And they're happening when fatigue is very high, but intensity of the game is very high and people are having to suddenly burst up the field. And that's these soft tissue injuries are avoidable through gym work. Like that's the point of it. When we say build resilience against injury or injury prevention, obviously if someone knocks into you and cracks your knee, there's nothing you can do about that. Or if someone shoulders yeah and you pop your shoulder or whatever a contact there's nothing you can do about that that's part of the game but soft tissue injuries are totally avoidable and should be worked on in off season during the season pre-season all year round like people are doing these max effort sprints and plyo jumps with the goal of getting a higher jumper getting faster and that that is part of it but mostly it's to adapt to these responses and to be able to deal with that amount of force through your legs and like that part of it's kind of it's quite old fashioned where you were saying we'd have done this as well, where they run the shit out of you and then they get you on the ball and they're like, Yo, you're going to be tired in a game. You're going to need to use your cognitive function then. And it's luckily them days are kind of going. Um, I believe that you will never, ever, ever be match fit without playing matches, no matter how fit you are. I get the same landing every year when I go back to the first training, when I go back to the first match, like I can so vividly remember last year I was in as good a shape as ever coming back into the league. And we played a challenge game against some team, two counties across. And my God, I remember halfway through, I was, I couldn't breathe. And I was like, why am I playing this? And I think the same thing every year, every year I just go through those emotions and it's because you just have to accept it's going to take you two or three games to get fit. Now, if you have been doing work, you could be fit in two or three games. If you haven't been putting in the work, that could take you five or six, and that could be too long to nail down your place. So it is important to put in the work, even if you're not going to be match fit. Yeah, completely. And like, it's, it's actually, it's, it's guys like going back, looking like, look back hockey days, remember, like when I had my injury, like I just like, I, I spent two years coaching, two, three years coaching. And like either like the the, the privilege working with great coaches hockey wise with Leinster um like up and through that like in under sixteens um even through school through club like some fucking sick coaches who were very much like very tuned into yeah let's just let's just not run the absolute shit out of you and let's actually like make sure you're able for what's coming. And I remember like the team I was coaching at the time um, in St Gillian's were the first team to get to someone like do quite well like all Ireland's for example, and like we started training and they're like you know. We're not doing like weird, like stick and ball, like passing drills, shooting drills. It's kind of like, okay, like when in a match are you going to go from this cone to that cone to this cone and then shoot with no pressure on you? And they're like, well, that's what we've always done. I was like, well, yeah, like does it help you in a match? And they're like, no. So it's going to be very much like three on three, three on twos, like four on twos, like majority of our sessions, like any fitness mm. work, we pretty much ball and stick. You know, come to attack on a goal, there'll always be a defender there. It's kind of like, there might be two defenders, it might be three V two. Like it's, it's always like, when we were training, like 95% was always like match-based situations and then put them in a match all of a sudden when they're under pressure, it's kind of like, well, we've trained under pressure. So we know how to work with this. When you don't train under pressure, put someone right in front of you towards goal. You're like, holy shit, what do I do now? Like I've not, I've learned to do this around a cone, not against a fucking human being who actually moved. When I, if I, yeah. if, if, if I fucking like fuck up what I do against a cone and then pick it back up afterwards with the person, they're going to take the ball off you and fucking run off with it. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's very much like, you know, you can make very fancy, you can make shit. I think from that point of view, it's very easy to make things look fancy from a coaching point of view, from a training point of view. You can set up the coolest drills and, or you can do the best things in the gym, whatever it is. It was kind of like, you know, it's very easy to trick people who don't know any better into thinking that like it's going to help them. But then they come onto the pitch, they go onto the, whatever they do, it's kind of like it hasn't helped. So like that specificity, like it's fucking, yeah. just, it's needed. And that's, that's where agility comes into us. So agility and multi-directional speed are 
confused so much. So what you're doing there with cones is multi-directional speed. You know exactly, before you take off, you know exactly what cone you're going to, where you're turning, what you're going to do. And I suppose a lot of trainers brand this as agility, but it's not. Like agility is so much more. Agility is you reading the environment around you. You know, is your man going for the ball? Is he right-footed? Does the man out the field coming in, let's say you're in the full back line, where do they like to kick it? Who's their marker? I mean, you've, you've got to read the whole environment and you just can't train something like that without playing games. You can't replicate that without playing games. There's no way you can replicate that same agility. Um, so yeah, some things do look fancy with cones and it's nice to do those little footwork drills, but they're really kind of just glorified speed drills, to be honest. Yeah. It's like we yeah. see in the gym, it's like, okay, we're going to spend like, 15 minutes towards the end, kind of doing this stretch and this and that. It's like, why? Oh, because, you know, when you're this and that, like, you can, like, I remember my old gym, like, it was so often to see trainers, like, for hour-long sessions, the last 15 minutes, fucking just doing stretches, kind of, like, standing while they're walking on a treadmill. It's kind of like, you're scamming this man 15 minutes, like, a quarter of this session to fucking yeah. stretch them. Like, it's like, yeah. you can you can make it sound so fancy. And the worst part is the fact that they wouldn't even know any better. And you're kind of like, oh, why yeah. are you doing this? It's like, foam, like, this and that, foam roll, and X, Y, Z. It's like, oh, stop. don't start. <laughs> oh, yeah, you mentioned one bit there about like obviously if someone knocks into you fucking and kind of cracks your knees and i'm like hang on foam rolling won't fix that like this is bullshit yeah. oh stop foam. the claims that foam rolling and now people are jumping on this back baller thing as well and oh uh, man it's gas it's like, i couldn't bro- walk until i foam rolled and now i can walk fine yeah my, so my brother yeah. he's uh he's a physiotherapist doing his phd or he's finished his phd in physiotherapy yeah. and uh had a lot of heated debates with your man who runs backballer, like Instagram, Twitter, everything blocked completely because it's kind of like he'll he'll ask some questions, have nothing to back it up, to be blocked. It's kind of like, what's he? He's originally like a carpenter, isn't he? Some, I think so. Like yeah, that. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And all yeah. of a sudden, it's like, you know, I played guy for a while, my back was sore, and I rolled, and it's kind of like, well, maybe not that you rolled, maybe you just chilled out for a while, and now you're feeling a bit better. Like, yeah. But it's it's just like foamy bit of kind of plastic. Nah, this is this is yeah. it. It's so yeah. uh, brilliant. I think it's so funny. Anyway, getting back to what I, the next question, I was going to want to ask kind of like when it comes to like, when it comes to training a gym, like if, if someone comes to me with the goal of building muscle, it's fairly handy, like, right, gym work, here's your plan, a few cardio sessions after or another separate day, happy days, food, sleep, crack on. Do you know, that makes it sound very basic, but like, you know, there's not going to be a huge amount of kind of like, you know, different, like within their training regime, there's not going to be a huge amount of variation. Whereas, from a performance point of view, someone playing Gaelic, for example, there's obviously on the pitch training, there's, there, there's matches, there's training, there's gym work, there's a lot kind of going on there, I suppose. From a volume point of view, from a recovery point of view, how would you kind of take into consideration like program for someone when they've got kind of so much going on in their week so they get enough volume and what they need to get done, but like without like fucking killing them? Yeah, good question. <laughs> I'm still wondering that. I know. Um, <laughs> so like in pre-season and off-season, I'm not afraid to get them into a little bit of a fatigue state and you can be a bit more general than specific there because some are going to have different goals. Um, but as the season closes in, this is why I will, only, I will only take a handful of GA players in my programming during the season because as I was saying yesterday, like on a Sunday, two of those could get a knock and that could change everything for the next two weeks. Someone could pull something at training. Someone could get a concussion. Like it, it's just very, you have to be very, very flexible with your training. Um, and you have to understand that the pitch is the most important thing. Once again, I'm going to keep saying it, but that's where, that's where the games are really going to be made. So managing volume there is quite difficult because you have to undershoot a little bit. So I would rather not take a chance and put you into any sort of fatigue in the gym session if it's going to negatively affect your next training session. Now, obviously, it depends around matches. Like if you got, if we're just at the start of a season of a normal season and you mightn't have a match for five or six weeks, then I can take that chance testing a few thing, things, seeing exactly how far we can push without impeding training the next night. But if it's like it is where now where we're kind of all going to be just thrown into it back in May and could be playing matches in June, then you're going to have to undershoot a little bit and you're just going to have to keep quite a low RP on everything. Like managing volume, it's so, di- yeah, like I'm sure you know you have clients who one can handle a ridiculous amount of volume and one a set, just a set amount. Like even if it's frequency, if you have someone who thrives off four days a week and someone else who, if they do four days a week, they just can't sustain that. And it's nothing to do with their lifestyle probably is but it's it's just how they react to that so again 
if I have someone who's three days on the pitch, I need them to have at least, at least one full day off, if not two for most. So that only leaves me with two to three other days to work. Now, there's a few people I'd have who are laborers. So they're in a very physical job. They're up early. They're on the road early. Like one day a week is probably what I'll get out of them. And I probably, it probably won't be on a Monday. If they have a match on a Sunday, on a Monday, they're up early. They're going to be very stiff. It could be as simple as getting out for a walk that day. But if they're laboring all day, they're going to loosen up. Tuesday, they're back on the pitch. Then I would say, right, Wednesday's the day to go for it because you've recovered a bit. We know what the Tuesday training is going to be like. If it's a light one, then we know we can push it a bit on the Wednesday. If it's heavy, we'll peel it back. And then again, the cycle continues. Rest Wednesday, training Friday, and then you probably got a match Saturday or Sunday. So it really is case to case. But the main thing I'd say managing volume is align it with the pitch. Don't You can't write six weeks ahead for someone who's in a different club or a different county or a different setting unless you know exactly what their manager is going to program. It must align the manager's program. So there's a lot of communication. If someone's doing a high volume of running, you got to peel back the gym. If someone's doing the short sprints um, and they're just kind of focusing on speed at training and shuttles and things like that, you can probably feel it out a little bit and push them in the gym a bit more, but it really is case to case. So managing volume is difficult, but as long as communication is high, it's quite easy to manage. But I mean, if communication drops for a week, which I've had clients and still do wear, it might drop for a week maybe, or it might be, they might be quiet for a week. You can kind of spend a week or two catching up because three days might roll by and they'd be like, oh yeah, I rolled my ankle or whatever. Do you know, yeah, like yeah. there needs to be high communication, even if it's just a check-in after training saying that was very physical. Here's the runs we did, feeling tired or check in when you wake up in the morning, text your coach and say, hey, feeling very tired today, such and such. It's just the communication has to be high. Yeah, it's a very much kind of like a, yeah, just things very so much. It's very much a case of like, you know, need a little knock, anything comes up, just, you know, let me know. Because I'm trying to like, if he doesn't, it, it throws, like you could have programmed for the next three, four weeks. Something happens, there's various fucking change everything. Yeah, like when I program for three or four weeks, I kind of, I pick the movements and I pick the goal, the, the I suppose, energy systems or what we're trying to elicit. Are we going through a power phase? But I don't actually published it to them or nailed down the numbers until we get closer to that because one training session can change all of it. So you're as yeah. well just do it week to week. Yeah. I get you. And then another thing I wanted to ask is kind of obviously like maybe on like training like during the season, training during off season, like how would from a general from a general point of view, how would that vary from like like training obviously how you coach someone kind of during the season, during kind of off okay well in off season you can control everything. Yeah. So in my off season I control my volume of running or cardio if I do it. In, in my season, I give up a lot of my control. I am no longer in control of what I do three nights a week, three days a week. That is totally up to my manager and up to them. If I believe it's wrong or I believe it's stupid, you know, I've bought into this. I am a client, for lack of a better word. You know, I've yeah. bought into the team. I, you, have to, you have to trust your management. You have to believe in what they're doing and you got to buy in. Um, and that helps other lads buy in as well. So you, you really are just giving up a lot of control in season. And that's the main difference. Off season, I can control the amount of volume I run every week. So I can make sure if I've ran a total volume of 12 kilometers, which doesn't sound like much, but if I do that in one week, then the next week I'm not doing 20 all of a sudden. I know exactly the incremental jumps I want to take. In the off season, the goals are very different person to person. So I might have someone... I've had people who they haven't ran in the off season for three or four months. Just don't run. We'll do a bit of conditioning on the bike. They'll do maybe a bit of rowing, but it's mainly just strength, injury prevention, gaining a bit of a bit more muscle mass, things like that. And then I have others who they come to me and they say, okay, well, I'm in the middle of the pack of all my runs at training, and if not in the bottom half. So they would have quite a running specific training. Um, I suppose something people have to really ask themselves and be honest with themselves is, yeah, you have to, you have to be pragmatic. So you have to say, am I, ask yourself, are you starting or are you considered in the first 20 of your team? If you are, what can you do better? So how is your ability to repeat sprints? How is your ball skills on both feet? How's your hand skills? How's, how's your passing? 
How's your ability to read a game? Where can you get better? But if you're not, and you're not breaking onto that team, and to be fair, I get a lot of people coming to me who are very honest. They're like, look, I'm carrying too much body fat or I am not putting in the work with my running. I'm clearly falling behind. So it really depends. Pre-season or off-season should be really specific to you. And then when it comes to in-season, you've got to just trust your manager, trust that everything will be taken care of and just focus on kind of maintaining a level in the gym or at least taking care of your hamstrings and your quads and your calves and things like that in the gym as well. So you can't, I suppose they're very different. And the main reason is control is given up totally. Yeah. Fair. I can, I can imagine that just, yeah, literally is kind of like Brian back training with my manager, that kind of way. You, are you playing? Are you playing? Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, like, when you're, I'm wondering now, like when you're actually when you're training or whatever with your manager, like would there ever be kind of stage where, like, obviously because you're being a coach, you have a fairly good idea of what you're doing. Would there every case where like they're kind of having you do something, you're like, that doesn't make sense. Like, would you yeah. kind of vocalize that, or they'd be like, hmm. um, so yeah, I wouldn't have, and probably it comes for with a few reasons. So I wouldn't have had a clue when I first started. Like, I made my debut with the club at 17 years of age. Um, and about eight kg ago, um, <laughs> I made my debut debut with them. And I wouldn't. It just, it's just I would encourage younger people to speak up. Um, I would have been quiet in my first year, and then in my second year, you know, the lads, older lads, would have kind of I'd have been saying stuff to them side by side or in the dressing room, and they're like, "You need to say that. That makes sense. You know, don't hold these things in." Whereas I suppose when I first came in, younger lads were just there to shut up and be seen. Um. So I did become quite vocal and I still am. I don't really have a problem saying if I think something is stupid, mm. but you have to, sometimes you have to bite your lip. Um, there, there is that element of buy-in and there is that element of just at the same time, you gotta, you, you can't be seen to always be biting back. You have yeah. to pick your battles. So if, about two years ago, I think it was two years ago, we were playing probably one of the biggest clubs in Roscommon, uh, Clan of Gale, and it was in the league and it was a Friday night and we did an unholy amount of sprinting on a Friday night. We had, had a game Sunday, very tough session Tuesday. Friday we went, it was horrible. <laughs> and everyone among themselves was kind of saying, this is stupid, this is stupid. And I think I was just a bit frustrated. I didn't actually say anything. I just told everyone, you know, shut the fuck up and just do it. This is what he's asking of us. Why are you complaining? Just do it. Um, and then there could be another week we do the same thing and I tell the manager, this is pointless. This is stupid. We're just mm. under fatigue. Now, luckily, we, we actually went out and won the next day, even though all of us were in bits, our legs. But I suppose that kind, that kind of went to show us that you can't just make excuses like I've tired legs. And I suppose he was looking at the long picture of um, championship down the line and things. But yeah, there is. There are times I've had to bite my lip. There are times I won't bite my lip. But yeah, you kind of catch yourself in an awkward position because people look to me and there's one other lads who's doing it as well, kind of look to us to say something. And it's kind of like, is it my place really? Do you know? Yeah, I get you. It's kind of that that kind of respect that he has. It's like, this is my manager, my coach. I'm his player, he's my coach. It's kind of like the more and more I fucking pipe up, yeah, to maybe helping everyone else it may make sense, but it's kind of like, you know, that just leads to a fucking hard relationship. Like, obviously, it's not good to fucking have. Like, but saying that, we've been we've been very lucky. I've had some great coaches over the years. There's like, there was one year I had an awful coach, but that was the new for the club. But that was the year my knee was gone, so I didn't even play under him. Um, yeah. But yeah, we've been very, very, very blessed with the coaches we've had. So, oh god, I'm sure if it was another scenario or a different club, I could be. It could be a totally different chat we'd be having now. Do you know? Yeah, no, yeah, I remember there was a time actually back when I was coaching in my school. Um, so like the lads would train on one side, one half the pitch, the girls on the other side of the pitch. And um, I remember like we were doing our training and like, because I trained, like I was coaching them for about two, two, yeah, two and a half years. I left like over one of the, ter- after one of the terms. And like, they kind of like, they after the second year, they kind of got used to how we're training, like very much match-based things, 3v, 3v2s, all that fun stuff. And we're doing quite well. And you kind of glance over the girls and like, it would be passing drills like running around this cone shoot drills like they weren't doing great and like why are they doing that and i was like you know i, I, I like obviously i'm not gonna say oh just shite i'd be like ah sure look it's just let them do them 
I remember one, it was one it was one one or two weeks that she was on holiday that had something with college so I took them over and like I kind of was basically had them doing what we were doing and they were like why are we doing this I was like I don't know. again you kind of have to bite your tongue you're kind of just like mm, like oh this is just how I coach I don't know <laughs> like, kind of just lay dumb it was really uh some crack like actually I remember actually going back to hockey like I remember I finished I wrapped up after my back injury and I went back for one match and like now this is this is like two years later like going from like 88 kilos to 107 kilos back down gym lifting bit, bit heavier with muscle and I kind of went back after like after coaching for so long I was kind of position where like like cardiovascular like really not there like, it was more so case of, like in my head like from coaching I knew where I needed to be I knew the runs I should be making I knew exactly like on the pitch what I should be doing and I was like, "Whoa, I just I just can't fucking do it." Like, yeah, it so humbling. <laughs> yeah, that is a killer. It's a killer when you know what's. You're, you know, you're like, I can't do this, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah, my, I think I just sold myself off, and I was like, "Our mat, we never met." It was like a, it was like Division Three. It was like it was a low enough team. And I was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll just sold myself off and coach from the sidelines. I'm much better suited here, and I haven't played since. Like, um, yeah. so moving kind of moving away from kind of training side of things, kind of moving to the more kind of nutritional aspect, like. Looking at obviously kind of like there's so much from a, from a training point of view, obviously nutrition plays a massive role in obviously recovery, kind of fueling that kind of way. Like what, like would there be any kind of protocols from a nutrition point of view that would kind of vary into kind of like how you feel for a match kind of like intra, yeah. like post, like what, what would be kind of the, your kind of general kind of protocol on that front? So my, the first thing I say is you need to go through a trial and error phase, be it with training, challenge games, find out what, what works for you. Because I have some guys who even though it's not ideal, they'll eat four hours before a game. But if they eat any sooner, there's that bit of anxiety and they just it doesn't sit well. So we might load up in some fruit maybe an hour, an hour and a half before. And um, there's other guys then who, when I say trial and error, like we had this, we had this weird thing a few years ago in the club where once a championship game came along, everyone just totally changed their routines. Like, do you know... I, I treat a challenge game or a league game or the morning of the exact same as a county final. Like it's the same. I'll eat the same thing. I'll do the same thing. I'll walk the dogs. I'll wash my boots. I'll do whatever. It's the same. And routine is seriously important when you're kind of trying to structure even your mental game. You need that routine. So if you're someone who eats Coca Pops before a game and it comes to championship and now you're having fried eggs and turkey rashers and avocado, you know, it's not going to sit well. Just eat your fucking Cocoa Pops. Do you know, mm. stick to what you know, basically. But when it comes to nutrition, the in-season is a little bit different from out-season. So if you're in-season and you're carrying too much weight, I'm not as quick to pull the trigger to get into a deficit because the last thing I want to do is have your performance shook a little bit. But at the same time, if that's going to be the difference between you starting or not, or you becoming a better footballer, I will put you in that deficit. Obviously, I won't put you in as big a one, but look, if there's weight to go, there's weight to go. With some people who come to me, I, I just realistically say, hey, look, we're going to build a foundation this year. I know you might not be getting games at your club this year, but the goal is next year because if you're 8 kg or 6 kg overweight, you're not going to lose that in the space of 12 weeks. Get match fit, get strong be able to adapt to your new body in time to perform and be successful at it. You just, you have to be up straight with them. And that's kind of the first thing I've had people who came to me and I've said that and they're like, okay, they're not as interested. It's just that they don't want to hear it. I've had other people who will take it on the chin and say, that's perfect. That's what I needed to hear. So you have to ask yourself, I not only are you happy with your body composition, I think of course people should be happy with their body composition, but can you afford to change it and should you change it for the benefit of your performance? So that's the first thing. And um, when it comes to fueling for a game or post training or pre-training, I mean, nail the daily things first. So I keep it really, really simple protein in every meal, just like I'm sure many of us prescribe. If you're counting, I'd say get over 1.5 grams per kg, just a ballpark aim for that. If you're not getting to it, not more is always better, but if you're coming in under 1.5, just aim for the 1.5. I would be saying, um, I would be saying vegetables and micronutrients. And uh, when it comes to, when it comes to performance, like you want, you want, you want to be, I suppose, you want a fibrous diet. You want to be regular. You want to feel good. So fruit and veg is something I 
tell people to grow the fuck up and eat and eat a good lack of it. A lot of servings of it. Carbohydrates, I hate, and I've seen it so many times. People will send me their food diary or I'll, I either do two, two things with people. We do food diaries or my fitness pal and the amount of people who just, it's like carbs are the first thing to go. It's, they don't even think. It's like carbs gone. It's like you are in such a demanding sport and it's an endurance sport. Like it's 60 to 70 minutes. You need those carbs. You need them before, you need them after, you need them during the day and every other day. So always prioritize fitting your carbs in. I don't give macros to hit with carbs, never do. I often get them to send me photos of their plate or we go through a handful or fistful or two fistfuls. And then when I'm saying the day before a game for carb loading, I'll say eat somewhere like 20 to 40% extra in the carbs. So in two meals, if you usually have a fist of pasta, have two in each. So the day before we load up and then the morning of, we might load again. So if your match is at 12 in the morning, we load up the day before, night before, and in the morning we might have just some protein fats and a small bit of carbs. If the day is in the evening, we will load up the day before, probably not as much as we would have, and we'll get a bit of an extra load in the morning with porridge and different things like that. And then as the day goes on, we kind of lay off the carbs a bit more try to just feel a bit lighter get fruit in the system everyone's different that's why the trial and error thing is so important so what i have before a game like i could give to someone and they could feel awful i remember um i think i just heard of the whole carb load thing and i was in i think i was 16 at the time and we were in a county semi-final and i was home alone and i was like jesus what do i do usually man makes my food so i cooked up like this disgusting pot of pasta and I can just I can actually remember the game so vividly your man absolutely destroyed me I was center back and I just was my belly the whole game I was like oh god but it's trial and error it's just figuring out what works for you um I don't like chasing a certain weight in season off season I think it's fine and holding into it but I probably think you should play to where your performance and where your body just just ends up a lot of the time. This is for someone with no, with no extreme excess body fat. This is your typical GA player. I would be saying I've spent a lot of time myself aiming for a number. Uh, I would have spent a hell of a lot of time getting before. I think when I was under 21, I was maybe my championship weight was 74, 75 kg, a very lean 74 kg, but I'd spend my time trying my best to push it up to 78 in the off season or push it up close. But as soon as I was back training and back doing such an intensive load of running, it just, it came down because I couldn't keep up with the demands of getting the calories in. And whenever I did, I felt that bit sick just from, I didn't feel right. So I just let my body go to where it lies. And I tend to do that now. If I'm feeling good, I'll just eat the same thing every day. Let my body sit where it lies. And I just leave it at that really. I think when it comes to performance, you have to really be in tune with your body and forcing it to go to a certain weight because you like that number or because your friend beside you on wing back is a serious player and he's at that weight and he's your height doesn't mean you need to be there. So yeah. it's very individual. It's kind of just about finding out what works best for you, but not forcing things either. Yeah, I get that massive. Remember, like I remember from a hockey point of view, like the best lads are always the the tall ones, the lanky ones, not the massive ones. <laughs> Jocking away and like there was one lad I remember it was fucking huge and he was class like. But like, kind of like, you know, like to take the hint, it's kind of like, you know, you don't need to, like muscle, like size, strength, being huge is, isn't always going to be, it, it'll look cool, it'll feel cool, yeah, grand. But it's kind of like, it is, it's always goal-oriented. I suppose when performance is the number one thing, it's a case of like, right, how, what, what weight, what composition do you perform best at? He or she may perform best at X, Y, Z weight, but that's not you. you know? So instead of chasing them, it's kind of like, yeah, go how you feel. You know, kind of like, I feel great here. I don't feel great here. So stop chasing this number. No one said 80 kg, 85, 75, whatever kg is like the optimal of going to bed. It's kind of like what works for you and just fucking stick with that essentially. Yeah. One thing I will say is quite low or single digit body fat is probably not ideal for most. Like, yeah, you don't want an extremely high body fat, but I perform better at that 10 to 12 range than I do at six to 10 range or eight to 10 range. Like I've, I've pushed it out very far where I was very lean and performance just takes such a hit. You're just, you just don't have the energy, do you know? Yeah. So yeah. Like I remember thinking I'd be looking at lads beside me and I'd be like, I don't get it. Like how am I not playing or moving around in a match as much as them? I like, I'm much leaner. I'm, I'm faster at training, but it's, that's yeah, not what yeah. it's all about. You know? 
yeah exactly look at the numbers kind of like well it doesn't it doesn't always have to be that way kind of it may it may make sense in your head but like in theory it's yeah. kind of like keep it simple like what works best for you just fucking do that yeah yeah um Manitha, I, I've run through all the questions I want to get through. Um, I think that's everything. Yes, everything I wanted to cover, man. So listen, thanks so much for coming on. We made it through a podcast anyway. That's yeah, the man, biggest, little that's the biggest the start. <laughs> man, the, the start, there was two little jumps and I was like, oh yeah. no, not now. But fucking hell, we made it through. Wi-Fi is our friend today, so I'm happy with that. Kev, mm. if anyone wants to find, learn more about you, work with you, anything like that, where do they need to go to find you? So if you search on Instagram, Complex Fitness, K-O-M-P-L-E-X Fitness, uh, that's where you'll find me. My email, everything is on there. And then if you search in YouTube, Complex Fitness, but I took out the vowels because I'm too cool for them on YouTube. And it's K-M-P-L-X Fitness. That's where I put up sort of practical application is basically what I'll call it. It's just practical videos usually using a PowerPoint. It's where I put up podcasts and it's just talking through very simple things. Like yesterday I threw up what's the best time of the day to train because it's a question I've gotten before and just went through the rationale of it. Um, so they're the two places to find me. That's it really. And I'd say for any, if there's anyone who's kind of young and trying to break onto a team listening to this, I would say, ask yourself, what's your unique selling point? I think that's really important. So understand that you have to give value somewhere what do you do better or what can you or what do you have the potential to do better than anyone else in your team? Nail that down. At the end of the day, it's one man picking your position, usually a manager. So you're just going to have to, sometimes you got to play for someone else in order to get your own breakthrough. Do you know? Yeah. Back that, yeah. Back that last yeah. Like I, I couldn't agree more. I remember, remember how in the hockey days, like I wasn't the most technical on the ball. I wasn't the most skillful, but I remember I could, in like short corners, like I could drag a ball out like fucking mad quick. And I, when I was shooting, I had a fucking, I was accurate and I was hard. And I was kind of like, right, I'm not going to focus on the bad. I'm going to focus on really fucking good at. And like, yeah, from a point of view, from a, from a like starting point of view, even from a, like, I played for Leinster when I was in under 16, kind of like, you know, pop you up front, leave me up there. Fucking, I bang some gold in. John Cavay says, yeah, I, I completely get what you mean there. It makes, yeah. makes total sense. Um, Kev, thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate that. All yeah. your kind of YouTube, your Instagram, all that will be in the show notes as well. And to everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in and we'll see you all next week.